Talk random. Talk random with me, Abs. And me, John Bashir. Yes, what are you saying, John? I'm good. How are you, Abs? I'm all right, thanks. Special guest today, innit? Hey, how are you doing? You okay? How's it going? I'm all right. This is John Bashir. Uh, go on, introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm John. Um, I'm, a, I'm a student with Abs. I do um, sport and exercise science, and I, I play football as well, so. Awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, sure. So, so my name is Johnny, and... Um, I'm a mental health sort of activist and I'm a writer and filmmaker and I have a, a youth mental health charity called Beyond, um, which Abs is part of. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, so we so I do a lot of work sort of within the youth mental health field. Okay, brilliant. So where where are you based? So I'm based I'm based in London, but I used okay. to live in Manchester. Um, I went to study in Manchester and I lived there for for a while, but now I'm, I'm back in London. Um, and Johnny, you mentioned, obviously you're a campaigner of mental health and you have a charity. Mm. Um, you released a documentary a couple of years ago, mm. which was Finding Mike. Yeah, so so Finding Mike um, basically was a campaign that I launched to find the stranger that talked me off of a bridge when I was in a really bad place. Um, this was quite a few years ago. I was, uh, I'd just been diagnosed with something called schizoaffective disorder which is kind of like it's kind of like a combination of schizophrenia and bipolar and um i ran away from hospital and i ended up on a on a bridge in a really really bad place um but thankfully this stranger came along and yeah talked me talked me off the edge and changed things around and so i launched this search to find to find this guy and um we made a documentary about it which is called uh, the stranger on the bridge and it's on channel 4 od at the moment Wow, wow, brilliant. So you are obviously big on mental health and obviously one of the reasons why you've got into it is because of it has affected you. Like you just said then, you yeah. were someone who was, was on a bridge and somebody's come and he's talked to you and then because of that, that's kind of stiggered and ignited something within you to kind of maybe uh, raise awareness about mm -hmm. mental health and stuff like that. It's it's really good to good to hear. Um Obviously, Johnny, like you meeting like the stranger on the bridge. Mm. Uh, at first, everyone thought it was called. Well, Johnny thought it was called finding Mike, and a lot of people came forward and said, "I'm Mike, I'm Mike, I'm Mike," yeah. and it's a bit confusing. But like the guy was called Neil in the end. Yeah. Um, how did that pan out for you? Because it it is a bit of a like a funny, not funny, but it's like a funny ending at the start because you're finding Mike, but he's actually called Neil. Yeah, I know, I know. So basically, um, in my head, you know, in my head from that day on the bridge, I only remembered bits of it. I didn't remember like everything um because it was it was, a, it was a little bit traumatic to be honest you know being on the edge and i guess i didn't remember everything that you know this guy had said to me in full detail so i i thought his name was mike um but yeah it wasn't his name was his name was neil thankfully he saw the picture of me um basically i put a post on social media and put a picture of me and he saw the picture of me and he was like oh yeah that's that's johnny and you know, I'm Neil. Um, but yeah, it, thankfully it all worked out in the end. Yeah, definitely. Are you are you still in contact with with uh, with Neil now? Yeah, yeah, I am. yeah. He's uh, he had a baby during lockdown, and um, yeah, he's doing well actually. It's it's, it's his second uh, child, so yeah, he's been at home looking after the kids and um yeah he's just moved house as well he's doing well okay brilliant that's really good to see that you you've even formed um like personal relationships with him yeah. but um uh, yeah so moving on to the q a that that abs kind of addressed before mm. 
we're just going to fire some, some yeah. questions at you and kind, kind of uh, gain more of an insight to, to you know, to mental health and, and maybe towards your journey as well. So first of all, how does your disorder affect your day-to-day life now? Um, well, I guess it depends on sort of the state that I'm in. So, you know, I can go through periods of pretty good mental health where, you know, I'm just kind of coasting along and things are okay. And then I can go through bad periods of, of mental health where, well, I just can't do anything. Um, you know, maybe I, I, I'm either very depressed or, or anxious or, uh, I become psychotic, uh, which is usually when I have to go into hospital because right. I just, uh, I just, I kind of lose control. Um, and that's the thing, like, a lot of people don't realise, like, you may have, like, a condition or something, but you kind of have your bad days and your good days. Mm. And it's about how you manage it. And for me, like, obviously, lockdown has been the toughest for everybody, but those with, like, mental health problems, it has actually triggered mm. some of them as well. And one people need to realise is, you're not just cured, <laughs> you manage it. So I manage my life with medication and therapy. Mm. Um and that's like sometimes it can be quite ignorant of people and think, oh, you cured now, you're all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's quite like disheartening to think, oh, you cured, you're all right, you can go now. Uh, I know, it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, it's something that you know you have to manage. It's ongoing. It doesn't stop. Um, there is no cure. For, well, some you know some people have a, a period and then they get better and then that's it. But for others, like you know, as you say, we have to manage it and always keep on top of it. And you know, it's. It, it, it takes work. It takes it takes work, to be honest. Um, and like, it, it does take work. And how has ne- meeting Neil changed your life and recovery and helping your recovery? Because I know Neil's part of the We Are Beyond charity as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's been amazing, obviously, you know, being reunited with him. And then, um, you know, we did some amazing things together before lockdown, like running, running the London Marathon. Um, wow. Yeah, and you know we got to travel the world to you know tell our story, to give talks. So it's it's yeah, it's been an amazing kind of time um, from what from what was a really sort of bad situation on the on the bridge to to what has come of it. Like it's it's pretty amazing, I guess, the turnaround. You know. Yeah. Um, are, are you a sporty person person yourself, or did you kind of fa- find this marathon something which was um, spontaneous or? Or did you find that kind of physical activity kind of helped your mental health uh, and well-being? Uh, yeah, physical activity, 100%. It, it really does make a difference. But uh, I haven't always been like, like, uh, like I love running now, but yeah. I didn't love running for quite a long time. You know, people were always like, you should go for a run, you should go for a run. I was just like, no, I can't, I just can't. But, you know, I, I gave the marathon a go and, and we did it and... Yeah, I def- I've, I know now that physical health, physical activity is, is a big part of my mental health. Even just going for a walk on a bad day for me can make a really big difference. Going yeah. for the run, it actually. I've started running now and like doing exercise now, and it actually is good. I can't do marathons yet. Ten k is the maximum I can do. Yeah, ten k. That's a bit bushy. It? No, I have done a ten k before, but I started to learn how to run again because sometimes I feel like wary of people watching me yeah. and anxious in case people watch me do an exercise mm. but it releases positive endorphins yeah um, it does and running it clears the mind like on boot camp john disagrees i do a lot of running i do do a bit i do yeah. walk more walking than running but... yeah you do walk a lot i mean 
he took a lot of uh, Ubers and buses, and I think he's in, in terms of a financial um, viewpoint as well. Just reducing yeah. that and walking, you know, that also increases his exercise. But no, definitely how you said about like um, physical activity and stuff. Like I play, I play sport quite a lot, so I'm quite physically mm-hmm. active. Um, but like just, just for example, you, you kind of feel good that you've done it. You may mm. not enjoy running necessarily but after you've done that run you, you, your mind might be a bit more clearer and you always think to yourself like i'm glad that i did that because i did something positive instead of just you know sitting on the couch and you know eating popcorn or you whatever you for a bit in sports and you you find it hard yeah you... definitely in, in like lockdown like you said mm-hmm. um you know a lot of people kind of started to you know download strava mm-hmm. and, and do running and other type go on bike rides and other physical activity and and, and you know it, it's kind of good because it kind of introduces people to sport and you know like you said maybe you wasn't very physically active at, at at the start but look at you you know you've ran a marathon which is you know the longest kind of endurance event that there is and it's just like it, it's a really good story definitely um but go, moving on to the next question what advice would you give to someone who has just been diagnosed yeah it's tough you know it's tough i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie um but well it depends it depends it depends i think you know when i was diagnosed i didn't feel like i had the support uh around me and that was really tough actually i think yeah. if you if you get a diagnosis try yeah try and find some some good support you know charities for example local mental health charities like mind or like you know rethink um they've got loads of local support i i ended up going to rethink and I joined some of their groups and that really helped me just to feel not alone. So, um, yeah, have a look. There's a great app or website called hub of hope hub of hope tells you where your nearest like local mental health charities are support groups, have a look and see what's around you. Cause yeah, I yeah. think it, it, I just think it makes a difference to have that support around you particularly when you get your diagnosis and you know, you're, trying to work stuff out. Um, it takes time, I think, as well. Just, yeah, it took, it took me years to kind of get to grips with the diagnosis and accept it and talk about it. Yes, like, for me, like, sometimes it might be in denial that they're accepting mm-hmm. that you may you have this diagnosis, don't be ashamed yeah. of the stigma. And yeah. I think a lot of people are ashamed of, like, employers or people stigmatising them or looking down mm-hmm. on them because they have a, an illness. For me, like, when I got diagnosed with my anxiety, my ADHD, my depression at first i was like oh no i don't have that i'm, I'm all right i'm all right mm. uh, i got the medication but i never used to take it for ages it's a collective but mm. it take it and that's what's making me more ill and i realized like nothing wrong with taking medication yeah. nothing wrong with having a diagnosis yeah. it's we're there to help and everybody is there mm. to help you and um, it makes you different and like unique in your own way and it's good to be different yeah. and i said never be ashamed of no. it because a lot of people are suffering with it and if you open up to someone you could inspire somebody exactly. else 100 yeah. 100 yeah when 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 you was touching upon like when you got diagnosed and you felt like you had no no kind of real support do you believe that is because of you are a male and maybe society kind of um you know says that oh if 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 a male kind of asks for help or says they're struggling they're they're perceived as weak or or something like that do you think that you know there is kind of this this area for improvement yeah. amongst males and male mental yeah for me definitely 100 percent. grew up i grew up like the men in, the men in my family i come from a jewish family and uh, 
yeah. the men are really sort of conservative and like don't really talk much about feelings. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I when I was ill, when I was struggling, I was like, I shouldn't be feeling like this because you know I need to toughen up, I need to man up. Um, I was growing up, I was really sensitive as a little boy, and yeah, I would. Yeah. I don't know, I'd cry a lot and, you know, people started to say to me, come on, you know, you're getting big now, you stop the tears and that's not a good message to, I'm not blaming anyone, but it's not a good yeah. message to give to particularly boys, you know, we should be saying to boys, you know, it's okay if you, if you feel upset, it's okay, you know, don't, don't hide your tears, don't feel ashamed. Um, I think that's because of like, when you say uh, to boys, oh, hide it, hide it, I think people want boys to grow up yeah. in like a strong society and if you say yeah. to them, Oh, don't cry! It can like it can it can it can they can hold it in, but it will snowball mm. later on. It will be much more. It will manifest later on in life. Yeah, and exactly. They'll be much more be able to express mm. how they're feeling just because of someone said, "Don't yeah. do this! Don't do this! Act normal, but don't cry. Um, you're a man." And like words that act can be like I mean, it can like haunt someone for years uh, to come. I know it's damaging. It's really damaging. I think we need to change the way we talk to particularly our young boys um hopefully it's getting better i hope so yeah i think it is even like when for example when pay said like oh mental health you don't believe in suicide and all that any doubt with people and then something that like you said was and you were on the bbc saying like those who were suicidal and everything should speak mm. out about it and then roman kent mm. documentary with a male mental health which went trending and you commented on it yeah. as well saying that more men do need to speak out and some, some sort of, sorry, like every 84 seconds or every other yeah. suicide in the UK. And that's the statistics that we have. Damaging to like society. Like you said, we, need our, we need men to speak out, boys 100%. to speak out. 100%. Um, and what advice would you give to psychiatrists and mental health nurses about patient-centered information and like patient-centered care? Like, are they giving out the wrong care or the wrong advice, being an inpatient or outpatient? Yeah, it's a really good, it's a really good one, really good point because... Too often, I think it's not patient-centered care. It's you know, um, like when I was when I've been a patient, I've been like talked to. It's not been like a proper dialogue. Like sometimes even psychiatrists have seen like it's like they just don't want to hear like what I've got to say. Like really, it's just about their point of view and the medication and. Um, Is it working? Yeah, it working? I know, I know. It needs to be more of a dialogue. They need to really listen like properly listen to people um i know they learn loads of stuff in medical school and you know um or their all their textbooks they learn so much from but the real kind of learning is from the patient sitting in front of you um i feel that's something that really needs to change in the sort of mental health system yeah definitely i've to be honest i've never i've never kind of um truly truly like suffered with mental health or, or or being to kind of like a psych psychiatrist or a mental health institute so I, I actually don't really know but obviously like you said yeah with with these kind of psychiatrists being really good theoretically uh, it's kind of about how they can apply their 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 kind of theoretical knowledge to practice and yeah definitely kind of like mm. listening I mean, even being in relationships with people or friends, you know, it, it's so important to kind of yeah. listen. And, um, you know, maybe, I, you know, I've got younger siblings and, you know, obviously uh, younger kind of children, you know, they, they kind of cry more and you kind of just 
get the assumption it's always because they're a kid and and all or this stuff, yeah, or attention seeking. But yeah, m- maybe having to kind of listen to them more and and kind of appreciate that everybody is unique and different. Yeah. You know, I might react differently to abs, and abs might re- react yeah, differently exactly. to you. And because yeah. I uh, text John like twenty times a day, sometimes panicking. I'm having a bad day. This, this he knows, and then. Just texting someone twenty, obviously twenty times a day is a bit not too much, but he knows. Oh yeah, he's in one of them days. Sometimes. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> but yeah, it's for like today. I spammed him out. Say, are you doing the podcast? Are you doing the podcast? And it's just like that reassurance. And I think having that one friend that can support you and believe in you, it's really, really good. And like you said, it's supportive with each yeah. other. Definitely. Have you two? You two only met at uni, right? Yeah, two yeah, nearly two yeah. years now. Yeah, two about almost two years. Um, and Abs has always been big on, yeah. on mental health. Uh, obviously, he's kind of suffered with mental yeah. health issues before, and I always like to kind of broaden my knowledge on an area which you know maybe I'm not too knowledgeable mm-hmm. about. And obviously, having like insightful conversations with, with Abs and even this conversation as well is really kind of broadening my knowledge and uh, and being able to maybe help people that suffer with mental health in the future is something that I would definitely love to be able to do um but moving on to kind of the education and learning more about that what do you believe that schools can do to increase mental health awareness and decrease the stigma yeah so much more education is is needed I mean you know not just once a term or once every few weeks like it needs to be regular, you know, just like, you know, you're talking about sport and like physical education, PE, like when I was at school, we did sport PE like twice a week, I think it was. Um, yeah, we did it. Yeah, obviously. Obviously, he enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it, Abs? I only enjoyed the running aspects. The rest, I did not enjoy. No. That's- I hated it. I think for me, it was just more like, I felt like we were controlling yeah. doing it. You either do it, or if you don't do it, there's consequences. So it's like a forceful thing, and it's a fear of getting in trouble mm. or embarrassed. So you have to do it. And like obviously, like I want to do other things like my, my English or mm. the drama. And that is it. Schools only focus on physical mm-hmm. education. And we had this conversation like on um, mm-hmm. Steph a couple of yeah. weeks ago, where mental health in universities and colleges are at, at its highest. And you were at university while yeah. you're having a mental. Uh, yeah. breakdown and that's the thing how did you feel and how did the university support you yeah it's, it's so tough like i think i know a lot of people who have struggled at uni um i yeah i found it i mean look don't get me like i had some amazing times as well like in manchester at university but there was another side to me which was yeah really it was dark um and i just i don't know well, I mean, to be honest, I wasn't like really open about what was going on. So when I, when I basically I was in my third year and I had this breakdown and I had to leave university and go into hospital and then I had to come back the following year and, and you know, repeat the year. Um, and that was like, I was really anxious about doing that, to be honest. But I have to say my tutors were really, really good with me. They were always checking in and they were making sure I was all right. And I just really appreciated that. They were just really, yeah, they were just really concerned for my, for my well-being. And, uh, well, you know, you're, you're really lucky with Steph. Um, I think. 
Oh yeah, yeah great. having someone like that is just is so important. Um, someone that you can just just be honest with, you know. And Steph, yeah, yeah Steph definitely feels like that. Do you think that if when you was attending university, if you would have had kind of like a well-being maybe officer or a sense that you could go in, and talk to? Do you think that would have maybe prevented maybe one of your breakdowns or, you know, benefited you in terms of your mental well? Yeah, I think so. I just don't know how open I would have been because I think I would have, yeah. I think I would have maybe, because when I was at university in my second year, yeah. I went to my student GP and she actually referred me to a student counsellor. Um, to be fair, I did, I did go to all our sessions, but he just wasn't very like, I don't know what he was. He was really cold as a counselor. He was so cold. And like, sometimes you get ones who just, I feel like I've had that in the past where they actually don't want to be here. They're just here uh, to get paid mm -hmm. and just listen to you and not give me any advice. Or sometimes they can give you the a negative advice and it can be the worst possible outcome. And that's the thing with some counselors are not, I feel like some of them are not personally there for the, mm -hmm. for the student don't there for this to be in the uni and get paid and just to listen to your problems but not giving you any advice mm. or give the wrong advice uh, and sometimes that can be like quite uh, yeah, detrimental because I've had think, uh, in the past where I've had problems and I'm speaking to people and I, I'm like I'm actually worse than I'm already I'm like I've come into a place where I'm bad and now sometimes it's worse I don't know what to do they don't listen and they don't really care and then that's when it's far as mm -hmm. like, I control and then you don't have anyone to trust because that's the one thing I've realised. Within, like, establishment or counsellors, you end up losing trust in people because they can give you the wrong information and you can do something else and then they can say, we didn't say that. That's, that's really, uh, yeah, that's not good. It's really not good at all. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Um, when, when we were kind of, you was talking about your university experience and you said you had to kind of um, redo the year because of mental health, um issues that you're suffering with do you think there there would have been there is another way that the university could have gone about it maybe i know that for example during this coronavirus pandemic a lot of students are kind of you know they, they, they're almost missing out on the university kind of 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 experience aren't they you know a lot of people are kind of stranded in in, in in their houses and they might have student accommodation that they're paying for uh but not able to to live there you know not being able to go out and stuff like that do you think that students in this current time are more maybe vulnerable uh, and able to kind of suffer more with mental health and and and, and if so Surely there's got to be a better way than just saying, okay, redo the year. What do you, what do you kind yeah. of... Yeah, well, for me, I think it was, I guess this time with the pandemic, it's a collective thing because like, everyone's in it together. Yeah. But for me, I think, because it, it was just me that repeated the year. And um, to be honest, it was really awkward uh, with the other like, people in my year having to explain why I was rejoining, redoing the year. And, you know, it was, yeah, yeah it was kind of the elephant in the room. Uh, it was, it, it mm, I just wish that, I don't know, like uh, maybe it would have been explained to the year group why, because it was just so, I was doing drama. I was at Manchester Met University 
I was doing drama. Okay. It was a really small, like it's, it's 25 people in the year and everyone's really sort of close. Right. So I had to come into this new yeah. year group and I didn't really know anyone and everyone had already made friends. So I wish that I would have been settled in. Like I was just kind of uh, sort of just chucked. Yeah. Throwing in the deep and end. I, and that's the thing, like, it can be quite daunting and overwhelming. And obviously people stop and stare and maybe talking. What's he, yeah. he wasn't here last year? What, what's he was his third year? Um, and that's how, funny enough, that's how, like, me and John met. We got put in a classroom right. and nobody knew each other in the fifth week. And I was like, why? I don't know, no one on my table. Right. I don't know, nobody in my group, what is happening here? Um, I was anxious. Yeah. I, didn't, I was nervous. I was annoyed. But then I thought, oh, I've got to get used to it. And it was good. Um, it can have its like ups, it can have its pros and cons, and I feel like if the university did tell the students beforehand, or yeah, to a taste today to get to know everybody, it would have been a lot more easier yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know some universities are doing like taster things during the summer, particularly um, maybe people that have uh, autism to get them used to the surroundings and settled in for everyone else. Yeah. So I think some unis are doing really well, actually. Yeah, at the, at the moment, United they're doing like a taste a week, aren't they? Yeah. I think it's literally a whole week before the studies to kind of get people used to maybe the different social um, aspects of coming to university, you know, making new friends, you know, icebreakers, introducing them to the yeah. campus and, uh, and everything, maybe even coronavirus as well, because at, at United 2 there's kind of like... Um, a flowing system, you know, one, oh, yeah, one, one way, way, one way out. yeah. So try and get used to people mm. using that. But yeah, mo moving on again. Obviously, you attended Manchester uh, University, and you uh, you redid one year, but you graduated with mm -hmm. your with your drama degree. And we've touched upon how you've suffered with, with with mental health problems, but currently you're working with a charity. Your charity, your CEO of the charity. We are beyond. Yeah, you're the founder, and Louisa. Yeah, so so I founded the charity two and a half years ago, and um, then okay. we brought Louisa on um, a few months ago, actually, to uh, to start kind of running it day to day. So me and Louisa worked together on on yeah all, everything to do with the charity, basically. How did you meet Louisa? Did did you know her before, or is that someone? That yeah, yeah, knew knew her before. Or... She did a fundraiser actually for for Beyond, okay. and um, okay. yeah, she's just uh, well, she actually she planned and she um, launched this festival, this mental health festival um, that my charity did in February, which was a big festival for schools and colleges around the UK, um, and she that was all her idea, and she she. Yeah, she basically executed it and it went really well. And so, yeah, we asked her to come on board and, and be CEO of... Uh, yeah. And I'm yeah. proud that the youth board as well of the charity. That's how yeah. me and Johnny met. So we met through a wellbeing week and then I'm part of like, the youth board now, which is something I'm really, really happy about. I met them last month. Uh, yeah, that, no, it's awesome. It's such an awesome um, group of people. And Neil's part of the Yeah, Neil well, founded it with me. Um, oh, is he? Yeah, oh, he, oh, he's... Okay. Uh, at the moment, yeah, he's really focusing on sort of family life, um, looking after his kids, so he's not so involved. Um, but, yeah, I'm obviously kind of really involved day-to-day. -day. Yeah, so... So obviously, you, Abs, knows quite a lot about We Are Beyond, but maybe some of the listeners or me on, you know, 
too knowledgeable about it. What is kind of the main aims of the charity and what is kind of the target audience mm-hmm. of the charity? Is it young people? Is it specifically males? Is it yes, females? Or No, I'm asking Johnny. I'm asking all Johnny, right. I'm asking the <laughs> No, it's cool. Um, yeah, so it's young people. It's all young people really aimed at. Um, and it's essentially... Uh, well, we set it up as a like grant-giving organisation to give grants to other like smaller youth mental health initiatives and programmes that don't don't have the funding they need. So that's how we set it up. And then okay. we decided that we wanted this youth board. We wanted the youth board to kind of lead the charity. So, yeah, created the youth board. Um, and it's a group of uh, people in their teens, 20s, even some in their 30s, you know, all with a background with, you know, mental health issues, all who are passionate about making a difference. And um, yeah, there's lots yeah. of work that we want to want to do in schools, in colleges, and universities. Um, yeah, a lot, lot of work that we are planning to do, which is quite exciting. And that's the thing. Like, obviously, I'm really excited about it. Like, mm-hmm. I got involved in like the meetings. Um, it's something that I'm de- definitely excited about. I'm passionate yeah. about, and you're just raising awareness. And it'll hopefully, like, you can just change mm-hmm. one person's perception of mental health, even educating schools, teachers classmates saying like words yes. some words can be hurtful to people uh, and like just having work in session and days where you're actually inspiring the next generation to say you exactly. know what it's okay not to be okay and helping families yeah. understand it as well because a lot of families sometimes yeah. maybe a taboo in the family saying like mental health oh don't talk about mental health just, just, just pray to god or believe just don't believe in that it's all fake and start educating families and making people believe, you know what, it is okay not to be okay. I've been on the youth board, like every yeah. other youth board has some sort of like yeah. mental problem or experience, and that experience goes to show how um, enthusiastic they are and how, it, how they come across. It's like mm. really, really, it's like one big family, and everybody is genuinely yeah. lovely and funny. And they were funny. It is fun. That's the first right. day was like I was in work, and I don't, I don't know, uh, and I've done that video on the till listening to the big uh, headphones, and so okay. that's how the youth board was. And I think for me, it's like something that I would definitely get involved in. Um, when's the next events for the youth for, for the uh, We Are Beyond Charity for people to get involved in? Like- well, um, I mean, I mean, UA92 is welcome to do an event. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love you to do an event and be part of something. There are people are doing, like, someone on the youth board actually is organizing a football match. Um, yeah, there you go. Hey, John, you um, yeah. They're organising that for July. Someone else is organising like a bike ride. Another person is doing like a bake sale thing. So, um, yeah, we'd love you to get involved and do something fun, fundraiser. Um, yeah, because all the money yeah. is the you know helping okay. school people in schools, people in colleges and universities that can't afford to have you know support. Yeah, brilliant. So just just a couple more questions about the charity itself. Um, Obviously, you said you're targeting um, young people. Is it currently people around Manchester or? Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So so when did when did this charity actually form as well? It was two and a half years ago. Okay. So within that two two year kind of time frame, have you have you seen a lot of growth from from day one till now? And if so, what are kind of like your aims and future aspirations for the charity? So to be honest, the charity has been through quite a journey, like 
you know, at the very beginning, we set the charity up and we it didn't it didn't go that well. Like the fight, the fundraising didn't go very well, and you know, um, I don't know. This is the charity struggled quite a bit at the beginning. To be just to be honest, uh, now it's in a much better place. But yeah. a lot a lot of charities go through like teething yeah. problems, apparently. But look, no, the charity's in a much better place now, and um, yeah, we, we're doing good things. We've got a good team around us. As Ab said, we've got a really great youth board. Um, we want to help as many schools and colleges as possible, particularly the schools and colleges and universities that just some, you know, some places just can't afford any mental health support. You've got, you know, there's private schools around the country who, you know, they're in a bit of a different place because they can afford to bring people in. But there's some schools that really can't afford. They need counsellors or they need particular therapists to come in and do work with with young people, with teachers, but they just they just can't afford it. So we want to be able to help them financially because, um, you know, I don't know if you know much about CAMS, the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service. Well, you know, there's oh, a yeah. long waiting list. Yeah, because I waited as a kid for like yeah, five, six years not- to get a diagnosis. Uh, and it just, and then I got diagnosed as an adult because I got, the waiting time was so long. And I think for me, like CAMS is something that um, needs looking at because a lot of children, a lot of families are struggling. Like my mum, struggle with my young mm. younger brother who has autism and mm. comes in and out of our lives because uh, he was violent and then doing things not in his medication and that's the thing like it's a struggle because I've, I've witnessed it first time as a family comes due uh the lack of resources and time and everything so that's a really good thing as a fir- that's the first time experience i've witnessed it yeah. myself as as a family yeah. struggling it's it's a massive problem you know so many people we speak to um well, not just the mental health system that we've got is uh, it just doesn't get enough funding. Doesn't enough doesn't have enough funding. Doesn't have have enough resource. Too many people have to you know struggle to get appointments to have to wait. It's just and so many people struggle in that time that they have to wait. That I think yeah we need. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of our um, mental health system in this country. A lot of work that needs to be done. A lot of funding that needs to, a lot of funding yeah. that needs to happen. Dr. Alex? I was just about to mention that. Um, do you think um, that the, the government are kind of slowly moving in, in, in the correct direction with recruiting Dr. Yeah. Alex, or yeah. is he the yeah. ambassador of mental health yeah. or something like that? Do you think a role like that and, and making that publicly will will kind of, uh, will be kind of the, the, the framework for for further kind of expansions to i hope so i really hope so you know the government i think they're talking about mental health a lot more aren't they which is good and dr alex that's great they just need to you know we need to see action they 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 promise money but the money doesn't always get spent as it should doesn't always get ring fenced um we need the money to go to yet the right places and it doesn't always happen. So I'm like cautiously optimistic, you know, with the government. Um, yeah. We'll- Cause the funding they had, like the millions, it may seem a lot to people, but in reality, no, break it, all not, down, it isn't that no. much. Uh, and it's only a fraction of what they, exactly. it's only a percentage. And that's not a lot. Like it may seem millions, may seem a lot to the outsiders exactly exactly no for sure absolutely um and also there's been lots of cuts over the past decades um 
in the mental health system. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, lots of cuts, unfortunately, lots of cuts to particularly youth services. Like, all, so many youth centers have closed in the last decades. So, you know, it's all very well putting money in now, but all the cuts that have been done, the damage is, yeah, damage is, has already been made. You know what I mean? Um, there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a lot that needs to change, a lot that needs to happen. Yeah, that, that was kind of maybe the last question anyway. I just wanted to no, uh, no. kind of thank you for coming on. And is there any kind of social media platforms that people can can follow or maybe get in touch with? Yeah, well, everything's on, on we're, all, we're online on social media. We are beyond. Um, yeah. Uh, amazing. Well, I'll make sure I at the morning. Yeah. But no, thank you for that. It's been like a pleasure. Oh, and obviously, cool. I know you're busy and taking your time out. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, really thanks both. Yeah, and thank yeah, you. I mean, if you want to do a, don't know, a charity event, that would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we should do it. Football amazing. Yeah. That's, that's, that would be amazing. But no pressure, obviously. I know you're busy as well. No pressure. Yeah, you too. No, thanks. Thanks. Have a good one. Take care.